saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Hey, welcome into the show. This episode was recorded on Wednesday, July 14th, and released to you Thursday, July 15th. Uh, Under an hour mark this week, we are talking about scheduling, we're talking about the transfer portal, and we're talking about some need-to-know items about the TBT that is coming up in Columbus for your Dayton Alumni Red Scare on Saturday, July 24th. We'll repeat that date a couple more times before the show is over, but we can't do that until we start it up. Let's do it. The show starts right now. Somebody get a shout out, but the buzzer is You're listening to Talking Out Loud, still the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among all Dayton Flyers basketball fans everywhere. The only podcast on the internet consistently reminding you to wear red and be loud. Welcome back. You are listening to Talking Out Loud, the best Dayton Flyers basketball podcast on the internet that you can possibly find. I'm your host, Sully. It is absolutely great to have you on this Wednesday evening when we're recording, and I am joined by my longtime colleague and podcast co-host, Drew, who has not been in the saddle here since we last concluded in March. But Drew, we did do another podcast episode. It just was not our own, right? Correct. We were on the the College Basketball Stories podcast. We discussed the the famed Final Four team uh, for the Dayton Flyers. Uh, why they had us on there to discuss it, I'm not sure. But some some jokes were made, some drinks were had, and uh, good times were had by all. I would say. Yeah, I think maybe we're just becoming more in demand these days. I guess so. Um, that's got to be what it is. But it's it's great to have you alongside, and it's great to have you, listener, uh, for an hour. I wouldn't say the show is jam-packed tonight. I'd be a little disingenuous, and I try to be quite honest with you, my listeners. Uh, but we do have a nice little show for you in this filler week leading up to the TBT, which gets started next Saturday. We'll go into some details about the TBT and everything that you need to know on the back half of the show. Um, but Drew, yeah, you know, going back to that, we shameless plug for all listeners. We'll start the show here tonight. Uh, we, we did do this, the college basketball stories podcast. I believe a couple of the guys are Dayton guys. So they asked us to come on and typically when me and Drew do podcasts, um, there's like subject material ahead of time, but generally speaking, people just want to talk Dayton basketball or like hear a story or two that we've gone through. 
So these fellows hit us up and gave us this big, long spiel about here's what we're going to talk about. And then they said, hey, we're going to do the 1967 season. <laughs> I think we both kind of laughed in unison at that. We're like, well, wait a second. We weren't we weren't there. But then after the fact, we kind of figured out that they were doing this whole like drunk history type of thing. Right. And it, it started to make more sense to us. Right. It did. And once we realized what they were going for, it made a lot more sense why they would want us on, on there just to make some, you know, off the cuff jokes and uh, observations. Like, for example, I called Dean Smith overrated on the podcast. And you did. Am I wrong? <laughs> you did. Am I right? I don't know. Who am I to say? But that's for you uh, to decide, it, listener. Exactly. So uh, <laughs> if you want, go check that out. Go check those guys out. I have listened to a couple of the other episodes and they are they are pretty good. So uh, if, you, if you're looking for something new to listen to, why don't you go over there and check them out after you're done listening to us? Yeah. And that was the whole purpose of starting the show here um, is that they, they put on a good little show. But I will say um, the, the drunk history format, I'm sure works for some. But me personally, I, I'm not at my best when I've had a lot of beers. I really am not. I've done the show, you know, after maybe six or seven on, you know, on a week weekend night. And it's just, I don't know, Drew, I don't have the same like chutzpah and I can't, I can't quite keep it together. Cause I feel like if, if you're wondering on the other side of, of the microphone here, fair listener, a, a lot of it is starting with a point, right, Drew. And then like making this big long arc and then ending up somewhere at the end, but the end could be like three or four minutes later. And if you've ever had like six or seven drinks and you start talking to someone at a bar, more often than not, you're going to lose your train of thought by the time you get to the end of whatever you're saying. And that's kind of the case with me. So I think it works for a lot of people. But to be honest, man, it's it's hard for me to pull that off, you know, and I try yeah. to be at my best when I'm right here. Absolutely. We always are striving to be at our best. And I, I get where you're coming from when you say that, because I am I've been known to be a rambler and I've been known to talk a little too loud when I've been when I've had a couple <laughs> in me. So uh, that just comes with the booming Wester Heidi voice that I have. But uh, well, like I said, it was fun, but you're right. I think it was only kind of maybe a one-time thing. Although I I did tell them if they want to do the the episode on the Significant 7 for my freshman year, uh, that I'm all game on that. Or the the London Warren story from the NIT Championship. That's that's a legend. Oh, yeah. Um, and Brian Gregory, you know, busting his hand. He had a swollen hand for the NIT Championship in 2010. There's, there's all kinds of stories. We'll get to those, but I'm going to be honest with you. I kind of like the people that were involved in it to tell that story and especially London. Like I know London and I know he would tell that story. So it's just not my story. It's not to your tell. story to tell. Shout it's out to not. the jet. Yeah. Shout out to the Jacksonville jet. There will be um, another mention of Jacksonville before the podcast is over that I can assure you. All right. So the place I wanted to start tonight was the biggest problem facing college basketball right now. And it's not what you think. Uh, last week, we talked about the name, image, and likeness bill that got passed um, in college athletics. If you're not familiar with that, go back and listen to the episode we did last week. Or I could just tell you very shortly, college athletes can now make money off of, you guessed it, their name, image, and likeness. However, I think the biggest problem facing college basketball these days, July 2021, as we're doing the recording, is the transfer portal and the transfer market. And you might be sitting there saying, I've heard this before, Sully, but I don't believe you know the direction I'm going to go with this. So for, you know, let's say Dayton's a team that we can look at. We had guys that uh, have transferred out. And so right now in the transfer portal or in this offseason, there were exactly 1,726 
young gentlemen that hit the transfer portal in college basketball to start fresh and find greener pastures for their basketball doing in their careers. Okay. Of those 700, 1,726, Drew, do you want to take a stab at how many guys have not found a home yet as we are approaching August? Ooh, have not found a home yet. Um, yeah. That's not your trivia question for the night. I want to be clear. The music has not started playing. That, no, the music has not started playing. It's not trivia. That's just an anecdote to keep the story moving. Uh, like I want to, I feel like this is kind of a trick question. So I feel like it's over a thousand. Not quite. Okay. It's, it's about a third. It's just over 500. Okay. And so the, the appearance of the transfer market, sorry, the boom of the transfer market is not inherently a problem in college basketball. I think giving guys more freedom, um, to find better situations or to find a team that better suits them, maybe roster wise, playing time wise, even academically. I know a lot of guys don't seek out academics first. Some do, some don't. Um, but I do think by and large, Drew, and I think we both agree on this, the transfer portal on the whole is good for college basketball. Agree or disagree? I agree. Okay. I, because yeah. like you said, if, if you're stuck in a bad situation, these, these kids deserve the right to be able to get themselves out of that situation. Like, you yes. don't know if you're at a, if you're at a smaller school and maybe the, your coach that recruited you gets poached to go to like a power five school or somewhere else. And then, you know, they bring in a new guy who, you know, you don't know if he's going to play you or not. So you, you want to take control of your own future. And I completely understand why these kids want to do that. And I completely respect them wanting to do that. Now, Correct. will this cause problems? That, yeah, but, you know, for every action, there's a reaction. And it would be the same thing as if they had tighter restriction. And Correct. so all these things, they kind of all melt together. And, you know, you're never going to have a perfect system. That's just, that's unrealistic to to expect. But it's all about making it as concise and as accessible for everybody while keeping and maintaining the competitive balance, so to speak. That is true. And the prevailing wisdom right now, and you you hit on it um, quite astutely, is that if coaches are able to move jobs and go from one contract to the the other, they don't really mean anything. If you recall, Archie Miller had like five or six years left on his contract when he ended up going uh, from Dayton to Indiana. So if coaches are able to move with such freedom, the players should as well. Now, I've been a proponent for one-time transfer, and then if you need to transfer again, you should sit out a year. That's not the rule yet. The rule right now, as it stands, is that you can transfer, go anywhere, and the NCAA still has yet to make a ruling uh, into the future on whether transfers are going to have to sit out a year. But all signs are pointing to the future of guys being able to transfer freely. Now, like we said, I do agree with that ruling for guys to have the freedom because one of the biggest problems that I've always had with the recruiting process, and this is one of the reasons that I don't follow it that closely, when you make your college decision, you are no older than 19 years old and you're no younger than 16. So you're in the 16 to 19 year old window. And Drew, I think I speak for most of our listening audience and, and ourselves included that I didn't make the best decisions when I was in that window of life. And so if you have bad advice, you know, you have bad people around you, you have people around you that aren't being honest with you about how good you are, you, you might be, you might find yourself in a bad situation out of high school. And so absolutely, you should have the freedom to go find a better situation. However, I'm going to rope this into the Dayton team, obviously, 
for every kid that transfers and finds a better home or transfers up for that matter, for every Jordan Seibert that moves from Ohio State to Dayton, there will inevitably be one or two Lucas Frazier's that are shown the door very politely by, a, let's say, Anthony Grant, and then sit in the transfer portal and do not find a home. And that is precisely where our man Lucas Frazier finds himself today. And I think we can both say that he was not put in the best position in Dayton, and he wasn't put in a position to succeed. He barely got any playing time last season. And then again, like I said, because of the top uh, 50 or top 40 recruiting class that Dayton had, because of the young guys that we had coming in behind him, you could see the writing on the wall that there was going to be no room for Lucas Frazier on Dayton's roster. And so here we are, middle of July, he still has not found a home like 500 other young men that were probably promised a lot of the same things that Lucas Frazier was in his recruitment to Dayton, and yet have had the same outcome in the transfer portal. So Drew, I I did kind of want to start there tonight as a a longer discussion for the both of us, because I do see this as a big problem. You know, I see this as a big problem because we talk about this time and time again. One of the biggest issues in college basketball right now is, is not really any of the stuff that we talk about. It's young guys getting bad advice and not having the right people around them to give them guidance on where they should be. Um, You know, and And it falls on the coaches, too, because recruiters have a job on the line. You know, if they don't bring in recruits to fill that class, they could get fired. If coaches don't perform at a level that gets them wins enough to keep the school happy, guess what? They get fired. There's a lot of money behind these things and even more money now that there's a name, image and likeness bill. But if you're a coach and you have two million dollars on the line every year, you're going to have to step over some 18 year olds to see success at one turn or another. And you can do it in a way that's respectful. And you can do it in a way where 20 years down the road, people still see you as a great coach. But the fact of the matter is, this is a problem that probably will never be solved. And and I do, I think it's a huge, I, I don't want to say like it's a huge problem, but it's just becoming a bigger issue now that the transfer portal is so open and you have so many guys that go in and then they just never surface again, right? Right. And, you know, with college, not even just college basketball, just college athletics in general, it's becoming more and more of a business. It's as more of a business as it's ever been now because of the NIL bill. And, you know, like we say it all the time in pro sports, you know, a player gets traded or released or a coach gets fired. You know, the people will say like, well, that's just the nature of the beast. That's the business. It's like, well, that's now creeping into college athletics. And, you know, these coaches are making a lot of money and they have a lot of money at stake. And if they don't feel like they're these 18 and 19 year old kids are going to help them either continue their careers or help them keep their jobs, well, then they're going to kick them to the curb. And that's what we're seeing. Like you mentioned with Lucas Frazier and a whole host of other kids out there who are currently without a home. And I'm sure a lot of them will find places to play. And, you know, maybe it's a D2 school or somewhere smaller and put good film out and then you can re-enter again and try, you know, try your luck again next season. But it's going to be interesting to see how all this works out, especially with how much more of a business uh, college athletics in general are going to become now uh, and through the future. Yeah. And I'm not breaking news to anybody by saying, Oh my God, Sully, are you serious? College basketball is big business. Like, oh, I know that you're not saying they're saying that right now, but I just kind of wanted to highlight that a third of the transfer portal right now or a third of the kids that went in are still just sitting there, you know, waiting. And 
a lot of those kids won't know when to cut their losses. A lot of them won't know that they have no pro career ahead of them, right? Because no one's going to tell them that. And, and that is behind the scenes kind of one of the biggest problems is that that bad advice that I mentioned. But I wasn't trying to pick on Lucas Frazier, of course. Um, he's just emblematic of the entire example or the entire issue that I wanted to bring up because he was brought in on good faith by UD. And then a year later, Anthony Grant just happened to have the best recruiting class Dayton's ever seen and no fault of his own. There's guys behind him that are just better players, you know, and and that's the goal for Dayton is to keep bringing in better players. And unfortunately the result is going to be casualties uh, like Lucas Frazier. So drew that whole thing right there. I did all of that just for you because it's now trivia time. I'm going to hit you right in the ass with trivia just to, to get us going. You know, a couple minutes into the program, I'm going to hit you with some trivia, so start the music. All right, trivia time tonight has to do with the transfer portal. I mentioned Lucas Frazier, and he has not found a home off of Dayton's roster. My question to you, Drew, how many former Flyers are rostering up in college basketball this season and not playing for the old U of D? How many former Flyers are on rosters this season not playing for Dayton? So I know Matos is playing pro ball. He's out. I had to check that one myself. Jerry's uh, I, out. Yep, Jerry's out. Um, is Zarius Williams still hanging around? Some I feel like he's still playing, so that's one. He's done. Uh, I'll give you a hint there. He's done. He's done? He's done. Ooh. All right. I can't think of four. I know. Isn't it? Isn't that good? I knew you were going to struggle with this one. That is a very good question. I've, I'm, I'm going to go with four, but I've got zero confidence in that answer. <laughs> That it is four. It is four. Could could you name them? Um, you know, I don't think I can. <laughs> if we're just we're all about honesty on this podcast, I do not think I can. All right, I think I can lead you towards one because uh, he was on the roster last year and he got considerable playing time. You, you might remember him from a face um, uh, the VCU game. Oh, he, he, made, he made a face. I, You've already uh, forgotten about him. You're a horrible, I have, fan. I am. horrible fan. Yeah, I, you know what? I've tried, to, <laughs> I've tried to block out the 2020, 2021 season as much as I can't. I could the past couple of months, and I think I've done, apparently I've done a really, really good You've job. You've done a really good job. Yeah, you've done a really good job. Um, I, well, okay, so the other hint I can give you is there was another guy that was in the starting lineup last year. You should be able to get that one pretty easily. No, not Jordy. The, the, the other guy that left and went to another team. Jordy's not actually playing college ball this year. Now you're oh, stretching trivia not. time far beyond where it should have yes, been. Yes, we are. I'm, we are. I'm lost, man. I'm you lost. are lost. All right, I'll I'm list lost. them off. A couple of the listeners are probably screaming at the radio yeah, right well, now. Well, you know what? I'm talking in the microphone and you're not. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So the two guys from the team last year that will be the most obvious people, Rodney Chapman. Oh, yeah, Rodney. Is, I was he, thinking he was done too. Well, I mean, I I was really happy that he's not on That's right. Where He ended up anyway. at... Uh, I didn't lose any sleep over him transferring. Yeah, Uh, I'll just leave it at that. So Rodney Chapman is going to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, Uh, that's it. Dwayne Cohill was the first example I gave you. (laughs) All right, hand up, hand up. I should have got that one. I should have got Dwayne Cohill will be playing for Youngstown State. Um, Jordan Davis will be playing college basketball again next year. Completely forgot about him (laughs) for his third school. Now he went from Dayton to Middle Tennessee State and will be ending up at Jacksonville. I believe it's Jacksonville University, I think. Remember when I said that there was yep. going to be another reference There's to Jacksonville? Yeah, here it is. I'm bringing it full circle, people. 
The last one, okay? This is a good one. And this is my favorite one. And I actually had to look this one up. And not only does this fellow play college basketball this season on our roster, he's got two more years to go after this season, which absolutely blew my mind. I don't think you're going to get this one, but I'll give you the best hint. He had one of the best flyer moms that we've ever seen. Oh, um, uh, Polichelli. Frankie Policelli will be rostered at Stony Brook University. And because last year did not count and he sat out for a transfer year, Frankie Policelli is only a redshirt sophomore. <laughs> God, good for him, man. That's Isn't awesome. that incredible? That is yeah. awesome. Shout out he, to him. Because he, he transferred, you know, 18, 19, he played at Dayton, right? So he transferred and he missed the 2020 season where we kicked ass. And then last season didn't count. So, so he has this season wow. and then two more if he wants yeah. to play. I'm going to be an old man by the time Frankie hangs it up, man. I'm <laughs> That's telling incredible. You. Yeah. This kid is going to be in college basketball for a long time, but you're going to see a lot of that listeners like yep. in, in like two years, you're going to have all of these oh shit moments where you're like, how the hell is this guy still playing college basketball? Because everybody kind of had that free year, right? And you can do whatever you want. I guess so. I Wow, Frankie Policelli, that is a name I have not heard in isn't a that, long time. Isn't that long really time. good? Yeah. That is very good. Good pull. Yeah. Good question, too. Yeah. I've, I've, it's hilarious that I got the number right and I didn't name a single player. I should have <laughs> got Cohill. Cohill is the one I'm mad about. Yeah. Again, because I didn't think about Rodney because he left the team and I just automatically assumed that he was just done. Yeah. And Cohill's, missing Cohill is the one that uh, that's going to keep me up at night. Rodney's departure felt a lot like Josh Cunningham's where you're, you're like, yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. That guy did leave. Even thanks though for, he, yeah, he did, like, did, all you did. Yeah. Bye. I, I don't know why those guys were so unmemorable to, to me, to me, but I, I don't know, whatever. We're just, you know, I'm just asking the trivia questions here. All right. Last week, um, it officially got broken. Some scheduling news, Drew, you know how much I love scheduling news. Oh, yeah. If I could be known for anything, in my podcasting career with Dayton basketball, it's for being the scheduling czar. And it's not that I know so much about scheduling. It's that I'm always on the scoop here. All right. And I don't, I don't want to toot my own horn too much, but I usually know what the hell's going on with scheduling. So, um, I got a tip off like two weeks ago that VT, Virginia Tech, and UD were working on a home and home series. I uh, got it from some good faith people, heard it from multiple people. So I was like, you know what? I think this actually has some legs. And for all of you out there that don't really like know the scheduling process, it kind of goes like this. Um, I'm an AD, Drew. Let's say that I am an AD at Dayton. And you're an AD at Stony Brook, okay? I have Stony Brook up on my my computer screen because we were talking about Frankie Long Policelli. dream about being the athletic director at Stony Brook, so let's do it. <clears throat> I digress. So let's say I am Neil Sullivan. Pretty easy for me to sh- fill those shoes with the same last name and all. And I'm like, man, you know what? I would really love to get a game in between, oh, let's say the time Dayton gets back from the Thanksgiving tournament on the 28th and... Uh, December 12th when they play Virginia Tech. You know what? I'm going to start calling some people to see who has a game that week. I'll call up the athletic director at Stony Brook. You might pick up the phone, Drew, and I'd say, hey, athletic director at Stony Brook, would you guys like to make $50,000 and come to UD on December 7th for a game? Why, yes. We would love to make $50,000 and come to UD Arena and play a game. Great. It's scheduled. Okay. Now, Drew, adversely, what if that number didn't didn't really tickle you the right way. So I was like, hey, 
AD at Stony Brook. We're going to give you $50,000 to come to UD Arena on the 7th and get your ass kicked. What do you think? Uh, Well, I would ask you to bump the pay up a little bit. You know what? I think I can do that. What if we give you 75000 There you go. And you have just witnessed right here on this podcast exactly how games get scheduled against lesser opponents in the mid-major. That's it. That's that simple. Now, if Drew were to pick up the phone and say, eh, you know, we don't have any dates available that day. What dates do you have available, Drew? Oh, we can play uh, a couple days before Christmas. Great. The 23rd, we have that open. Let's schedule it for the same $75,000. Boom. Done. So that really is kind of like there's no secret sauce in like how the games get scheduled. The intricate part or the complicated part is simply which teams land on the schedule. Again, I use Stony Brook as an example because it was up on my computer screen right here in front of me. But um, the game of scheduling has become paramount to UD's success in any given season. I'm not breaking news to anybody by saying if you're in the Big Ten, if you're in the ACC, if you're in the Pac-12, you're likely going to get 10 to 12 games that are quality games every year. You know, if you're Michigan, you get to play Ohio State, Michigan State, you get to play Illinois, you get to play Indiana, right? All of those games are big games, marquee games that can help you out. You know, they're going to be quad one, quad two games. I think we know, Drew, how many quad one games or quad two games does UD get in A-10 play? Usually, we're lucky to get three or four, if we're lucky. Nailed it. Okay, so really what the onus is on the athletic director, Neil Sullivan, is to put together four to six other opportunities for UD to get quality games because we want to get that number as close to 10 or above as we can so that UD can come out at seven and three, eight and two is generally going to get you in the tournament. If you go six and four, then you're starting to get dicey and it depends on who you've lost to, right? And so it's kind of funny in the offseason of college basketball because a lot of programs don't really care about scheduling because again, if you're in a power conference, who cares who your non-conference opponents are go to a thanksgiving tournament maybe play one marquee game the games that they schedule there's like the gavit games and the madison square garden games a lot of those are being penciled in now like what there's the uh is acc big 10 challenge there's like there's a big 12 sec challenge i think there's all there's all sorts of just challenges and invitationals out there that these teams play in Correct. So it's weird because those schools don't have to worry about these things. But Dayton's in a very unique position where, again, we're not a mid-major, but we're not in a power conference. So a lot of the opportunities that must be present on Dayton's schedule have to take place in the non-con. And this year is frankly no different. No need to beat that dead horse any longer. But I will say, Drew, our schedule has come together quite nicely. And would you like to give the listeners a rundown of exactly what's on that schedule as we sit here today in July? I would love to. Uh, UD, obviously, as many people know, is reopening the arena back up to fans on Tuesday, November the 9th against UIC. Uh, Then Dayton heads to Orlando for their, you know, yearly invitational tournament. I will be there in Orlando in attendance for that. Oh, you're going to go this year, huh? We will have boots on the ground. Oh, uh, are you, you going to do a live report? I we can we can discuss these things off air, but we can we can surely surely make make some things happen while I'm down there for the brand. Uh, we have a tentative December fourth date for SMU, and I say tentative because that is not quite confirmed yet. The but most that's kind of yeah, <laughs> the most tentative, tentative confirmed thing of all time. And then of course we picked up the home and home with Virginia Tech starting at UD Arena on December twelfth, and then we head to Ole Miss 
uh, on the 18th of December. So that's what we've got so far. And I'm with you. I think that's a very, very solid base that we've got uh, so far. Yeah, I mean, I think that UIC will probably be right in the middle of the Horizon League. Um, Wright State, funny enough, is the front runner in the in the Horizon this year. And I'll just touch on this very briefly. With the Dayton Wright State thing gets brought up, and now it's kind of like a joke amongst like the younger crowd because older guys in Dayton like to talk about how Dayton should play Wright State. Nine times out of ten, Dayton should not play Wright State, and Wright State shouldn't play Dayton. It just doesn't benefit anybody. However. Okay, this this is I'm I'm saying this. This year it would make a ton of sense for Dayton to play Wright State. Now, Wright State wants the home and home. Dayton's never going to agree to that. Dayton's never going to go play a game at the Nutter Center. Wright State's probably never going to agree to just a one-off game at UD Arena, and that's pretty much the beginning and end of the discussion. However, just like I said, this actually would be a pretty good year for that to take place because if Wright State comes to UD Arena and they beat Dayton. They're probably going to the tournament anyways. So if you're going to take a chance to play the boys down the road, this would be the year to do it. However, like I said, it's it's not going to happen. But what Dayton has put together is a very good schedule so far. Um, so, yeah, like I said, UIC will be in the middle of the horizon. I got off track talking about Wright State. Now we're back. Um, and then the Orlando tournament, Drew, would you like to refresh my memory? Who is in the Orlando tournament? Because I do believe the field is rather stacked. Is it that's correct? Attending the invitational in Orlando alongside Dayton, we will have Kansas, Miami, Florida, North Texas, Drake, Iona, Belmont, and Alabama. So those are the squads as of now. Uh, obviously, things can change between now and then. But obviously, you want to. The thing with these invitational games is you always want to win the first one. You got to win that first game. That's always imperative when you mm-hmm. go into these things, and you just. Try and try your best to get to that third day with two wins. and But I love these tournaments. I I love these tournaments because they're the great equalizer of scheduling. Because, you know, you're not going to get Kansas to come to UD Arena. But you know what? You can still find ways to get Kansas on your schedule. And this is, you know, one of the unique ways that you can get that done. Yeah, exactly. And so that's why I always kind of like explaining our position in college basketball, because, um, you know, most people that root for college basketball don't realize how important the scheduling aspect is for Dayton. Um, But we talk about it all the time. You know, 31 games in the season, Dayton needs to get to 24 wins to be on the bubble or to get a bid. Right. That's that's kind of always been the measuring stick. And this year is no different. So what you're looking to do now, so there's seven games on the schedule that we just rattled off. Three of them are against good teams that will be, um, if they're not, you know, quad one games, they'll be pretty good games. Like at Old Miss is going to pay benefits to you. SMU should be a bubble team and competing for a bid. We have to go to their place in Dallas. Again, December 4th, tentative. I just heard some rumblings that it might be that day and it fits both schedules. Um, and then Virginia Tech is going to be right there on the bubble as well. You know, they're, they're going to be a solid team that's going to be in contention for a bid. So you add that in to three quality games that you have in the Orlando tournament or maybe two and a half quality games. Let's call it two just to be conservative. And now you're looking at five games that are really going to be solid tests for UD with a tune up against UIC. And that's kind of what you want, right? Like you don't want to throw the boys into the fire on night one. Got to get those wheels greased and pay somebody to come in. UIC was kind enough to take our $75,000 in. Here you go. You got game one. So what we have left is six games on the schedule. And I think I'm not really stretching it here, Drew, to say 
if they don't schedule another big name program, it's probably going to be okay. Like schedule six games at home, pay them well, feed them, give them a warm bed in the Dayton Marriott, and then put them on the bus and send them back home. I think that's going to be okay, right? Right. And I think my big thing with scheduling is you want to have at least one marquee home game in the non-con, and you have that in the tech. So you get that when you get that done and you're in a tournament that's got a solid field and then you you know you pick up we're on the back half of a home and home with old uh with SMU rather and then you get you know another game with Ole Miss as well who we've kind of been good partners with in the last you know 8 5 to 8 years or so I feel like we've played Ole Miss quite a bit in that time period and you know yeah I do feel pretty good I feel like you know and if you can get one more name on there great if not it's not the end of the world I really don't have too many complaints about how Dayton has gone about scheduling this season. No, no. And it's, you know, it's one of those years. It's a little strange because all of the good games are now out of the way first. Typically UD will announce like one of those crappy home and homes pretty early on because the team is looking for money. And this year it seems like more so that there should be more money funneling down to the smaller schools because of revenue loss last year. So there will be more buy games uh, given out by UD. Just kind of have to sit tight. I would honestly, I would guess we don't get the full schedule until around Labor Day because Dayton gets caught in this weird limbo where you kind of have to play chicken with other schools, right? Of, oh, that payout wasn't big enough. All right, go find a better payout. And then you kind of have to hope that they don't. You kind of have to hope a couple other schools have the open dates that you need. It gets very delicate at the end. And honestly, the most interesting part about scheduling is that you can't just lay waste to programs that aren't playing ball with you. Like, for example, UD and Xavier now, it's pretty clear that that series is not going to be renewed and there's not a whole lot of interest on either side. I know that Dayton would probably take a home and home with Xavier. I don't think Xavier has any motivation to put that on their schedule. Okay, so if it were me. Okay, with nothing to lose, I would take to social media and be like, you know what? Those Xavier guys are scared. They don't want to play Dayton. They just, you know, they want to keep with their schedule and they really are, you know, kind of scared to drive up 75 and take a loss. You don't want to do that either because then you'll sour the relationship with that school forever. And if there was a tiny window open to get that game scheduled, now it's completely closed. So, I took a long time to kind of explain this, but then here's the other part that gets delicate, right? For Dayton, you want to get games on television, right? You want to have it on ESPNU or CBS Sports or what have you. And so they have to go to incredible lengths to get these games in to the point where this Virginia Tech game is on an NFL Sunday smack in the middle of December. And so, Drew, I got some bad news for you. The day of December 12th, the Cleveland Browns play the Baltimore Ravens in a week 14 tilt at one o'clock Eastern. Oh, buddy, that's getting flexed to Sunday night football. We're Gucci. <laughs> it's going to be a marquee we're, we're so Gucci. <laughs> so uh, if you're listening to this out there, Bengals fan, your game's not getting flexed to Sunday night football. I don't know who you're playing, but it won't be getting flexed to Sunday night football. Um, there, there will be some balancing, and I know that Dayton will still sell out the game against Virginia Tech. The arena will still be rocking. But again, I mean, you know, it's just another example. These are the things that you have to compete with um, when it comes down to it and, and you put the schedule together. So, you know, can we put a bow on the scheduling talk? Do you have anything to add to that? I've got one more. Let's play a little game. Who, oh, is, yeah. one, who is one school you think Dayton puts on the bye game schedule? Oh, man, that's tough. 
That is really just throw, tough. Just throw, just throw school out there. I'm going to throw out Detroit Mercy. Yeah, we played them a couple years ago. That's fair. Actually, I want to take my best shot at this, okay? So I'm going to go with a team in the Ohio Valley Conference. I think it's been a little bit since we played an Ohio Valley Conference team. And I'm going to go with Moorhead State. Interesting. Okay. They were in the tournament. Like this, they were in the tournament this past year and they have a young team that's coming back. So they might be a nut, like they're going to be a front runner in the Ohio Valley again. So I'm not saying that UD's going to schedule them, but I think they got a really good chance. That's, that's what I, I like that. I like that pick. That's a good pick. Yeah. Because I don't know why I thought about that. And I don't know why Detroit Mercy just immediately jumped into my head. That yeah. feel, they feel like they're always willing to take a payday to come down I-75. <laughs> yeah. I just, my thing is always stay away from the MEAC and the SWAC. Uh, the MEAC <laughs> is the Mideastern Athletic Conference and the SWAC, uh, like the MEAC is like Norfolk State, Coppin State, um, North Carolina Central. It, like those two conferences I mentioned are always at the bottom of the barrel as far as like the conference rankings. So it always like really chaps my ass when they schedule them because it's a very nothing game. It's like the ultimate white flag that, Hey, we couldn't find anything better than this. So come on up and take your lickings. Um, so yeah, that's what I think. Um, but last point on this of the buy games, you don't just want to schedule anybody. You know, just like I said, you don't want to bring in any old MEAC team that's going to be 350 plus in the rankings because that game will never help you. It'll actually hurt you in the long run. So what Dayton's kind of looking to do is find the teams that are going to be front runners in their conference um, or they're at least going to be, you know, 500 or above in their mid-major conferences because then them coming to Dayton and getting beat, it doesn't hurt you. It just means you took care of business in the manner that you were supposed to. All right. If you stuck around to the last segment of the show, no breaks tonight. Me and Drew are just going all the way through. Uh, we're going to talk about TBT. Uh, last week, I absolutely lied to all of you, my listeners, and saying Joey Gruden was going to be on. Uh, he was out of town this week, could not swing it. I actually asked a couple of the TBT guys to be on, and this week was just weird for a lot of people. I think coming back from the holiday, coming back from vacations, um, you know, just it's a weird week. We're in the middle of July. I don't hold it against anybody. We're just kind of keeping our wheels grease, giving you a good Dayton basketball radio show. But Drew, I mean, I didn't get any of the TBT guys this week. Next week, we'll have at least Chip Mikesell joining us. But am I getting big timed already? Is that it? Am I getting big uh, time? It feels that way. It, it feels does. that way. It's starting it to feel of... that way. Yeah, I know. This, this this TBT thing's starting to get a little too big for its britches, in, in, my, yeah. in my honest opinion. but Maybe those guys are letting it get to their head a little bit. Not our guy Chip Mikesell. He'll no. be on next week with us, no. come hell or high water. Um, but let's talk about it, man. So we haven't actually jumped into the TBT preview. Um, if you've forgotten or if you're new to the show and you don't really know what the hell we're talking about, uh, the TBT actually stands for the basketball tournament. And it will be taking place right here in the month of July coming up here uh, in a couple of days. Actually, I think the first round begins. Uh, check my math on that. I think it's like next week. So we're recording on Wednesday, the 14th. I want to say the first game's on the 16th. So, you are correct. Yeah, okay. I do know some stuff from time to time. So Friday, July 16th, will be the first game in the tournament. Um, and it's it's jam-packed. It's crazy. There's 64 teams again in this tournament. There's a Columbus bracket, a Wichita bracket. There is one in Peoria, Illinois. And then there will be games in West Virginia, I believe in Morgantown or Charleston. One of the two. One of the two. It's in West Virginia. It's fine. Just whatever. Um 
And it's going to be just like the NCAA tournament style. 64 teams, you win, you move on, you lose, you go home. And I love that. I love that they brought the tournament back full scale, 64 teams. Um, and Dayton's going to get kicked off as the number two seed. And they are playing on uh, next Saturday. That would be July 24th at 3 p.m. Eastern. And they are playing some guys named Bahakni City. Drew, I have led you down a path before we jumped on today. And I really gassed you up for this segment here because I have a story to tell you and the listeners. I'm, I'm all ears. You've hyped this thing up to no end. I do not I know what he's about to tell. We no. did not. We did, the only thing we discussed before the show started was that he had a story for me. I, did. I do not know. I'm hearing this for the first time, just like all of you. Yeah, this is called a teaser in the radio business, people. You hear that? Okay. So... Dayton again playing next Saturday against Vahakni City. And when they first announced this, I went, Who the hell is Vahakni City? Like, what? I don't even, I've never heard of Vahakni City in my life. Okay. So, first things first, Drew. Vahagni, V A H A G N I, is a city in Armenia. Before I continue the story, Drew, can you name me one country that borders Armenia? Armenia. Romania. No, no, not even close. Nope, I'm sorry. I don't know my <laughs> I don't know geography well outside of the United States, guys. Sorry. You know, Armenia is tough. If you're sitting there as a listener and you do know one of the countries that borders Armenia, good for you. But I'm gonna I'm gonna teach my listeners something. You come for the college basketball, you stay for the geography. Uh, Armenia is in the Caucasus region, which is between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea, between Europe and Asia. Armenia is bordered by Turkey, Georgia, Azerbaijan, and Iran. Okay. So now that you have your geography lesson for the day and you have learned on this podcast, the team that we are playing, we, I say we, I'm not playing the thing, Red Scare. The team the Red Scare is playing is BC Vahagni City. The guys on the Vahagni City team play in a six-team league in said country of Armenia. It's about the third weirdest thing about all this. So when they announced the bracket, I couldn't help myself but dig into this. I actually had some help from the uh, Pro Loud guy on Twitter. If you don't follow him, I believe he's at Professionally Loud or just search Pro Loud on Twitter. And he basically keeps track of all the guys from Dayton that are overseas. So he has a very good handle on Euro Ball. So I said, our team's going to run over these guys, right? And he said, I think so. I think Dayton's really going to steamroll this first round. And I... I wouldn't say that lightly. Like, I, I think this team is trash and I have no idea why they're even in the tournament. But I can tell you a lot about them now that I've gone down this rabbit hole. So they recently won the Armenian championship in said six team league. And all of the guys on this team mostly played together on that team. So that's how they came together. The weirdest part about the BC Vahagni City team is definitely their general manager, and her name is Christy Bus or Christy Curtis Bus. If the name Bus means anything to you, it should. Jerry Bus owned the Lakers for a very long time until his death. I can't tell you the year right off the top of my head. And now his uh, daughter, uh, was it named Jeannie? Is it Jeannie, Jeannie Bus? Bus, yes. Jeannie Bus, yeah, yeah, Jeannie Bus. Uh, she runs the Lakers, right? Uh, yes. Jerry Bus died in 2013. I had to go look that up just, you know, rest in peace, Jerry Bus. He's a good guy. Um, so Jerry Bus had a son, Johnny, and his ex, now ex wife, is Christy Bus, okay, who I am now speaking of as the general manager 
of the BC Vahogny city team. You still with me, Drew? I'm with you. You still with me? Okay. So is the ex-wife of Johnny Buss, son of Jerry Buss, owns the Lakers. Okay, still with me. Christy Buss is a former Lakers and Clippers dancer. She is a former soap opera star and has perf- and has appeared in Days of Our Lives. She has her own YouTube channel. She is currently promoting a product called Boombod, and she has her own skincare line that she promotes heavily on Instagram. Last notable thing about her is that she has a ton of plastic surgery to her face. Again, only factual statements on this podcast being made. So kept going down the rabbit hole and I said, well, why the hell would Christy Buss, the ex-wife of Johnny Buss, son of Jerry, why the hell would she be sponsoring this TBT team? Well, fellow friends, this is the hard hitting news you get from this podcast. You start digging around on Instagram and sure enough, there is Christy Buss posing with one of the players on the TBT team, Vahogny City. His name is Darius Clark. That would not be inherently weird to anybody on the other side of the radio dial until I tell you that Darius Clark is 31 years old and Christy Buss unconfirmed, but is at least over the age of 55. Drew, I told you I was going to take you down a really long, just really long path here. And all this research took me 20 to 30 minutes to piece together, but I figured out that Christy Buss got divorced from the Bus family in 2015, he had to pay her some nice spousal support because the Bus family is loaded. The Bus family, they have a lot of money, uh, and so now she's banging this like 31 year old basketball player over in Armenia. How she met this guy, I have no idea, but I, I mean, it's got to be an upgrade for her, right? It's got to be. This is the most 2021 story I've ever. <laughs> Like it's got the the self promotion of Instagram, the bus family, divorce, like plastic. It's got it all. What yeah. a what a what a whirlwind of a of a story that was. So BC Vahakami City, bring them on. I even found out that she got formally divorced in 2015, but had separated with her husband Johnny Bus in the year 2000. I bet you did not log on to this podcast today thinking that I was going to hit you with some bus family marriage drama straight off of TMZ. Sure did. I swear to God, it was straight off of TMZ. I had to go and find this. And, and it was one of those things. It was one of those internet things where I just start. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then you click the next thing. That's interesting. You click the next thing. And I'm like, holy shit. This girl was like a Lakers dancer. She choreographed Days of Our Lives, like all this different shit. So th- there you go. Dayton's first game. Wow. Red Scare's first game Saturday against BC Vahogny City. Wow. So and, and right. if they and if they don't win this game, I'll be honest with you guys. Okay. It it's a shame to our country. It's a shame to the state of Ohio. Hold the TBT team if we it, lose. It is. Game. We Hold can't it. ever go back to the TBT if the Red Scare loses to these guys. It it will be it'll be a shame on all our houses. Okay. We can't have that. Um, if they win, the game that is on the other side of the bracket next to them is between the Miami University Hurricanes alumni. They go by Category 5 and the NC State good alumni team. They go by Wolfblood, which I think is a pretty good name. Uh, category 5 for the Miami Hurricanes. That's that's good. That's, that's good. That's clever. That's like unique. I like that a lot. Uh, just some other like general observations from the Columbus bracket. Uh Zip them up, which is the Xavier team. They are the three seed. So we would be on a crash course to play them in what would be the Sweet 16. But they have to get by 
Ohio eighteen oh four, which is the Ohio alumni team. Correct. And I'm pulling up their roster now. Uh, Jaron Simmons, who you may remember, Nick Kellogg, who I'm sure a lot of people remember. Uh, don't really recognize a whole lot of the other guys on the team, but those are the two that you know really jumped to mind. Uh, Brandon Morris, who played for Houston back in the day, is on the team. Uh, so Xavier's got to get past the Ohio team, but we're on a crash course with them. And then, of course, uh, Carmen's crew is the one seed for this. So if you get through those games, that's probably who you're running into uh, in that Elite Eight game, which you know kind of sucks that we're running into them in the Elite Eight when the Final Four is at Dayton. But yeah. I digress on that. Uh, so it was, it'd be interesting. The the uh, the Columbus bracket uh, is kind of is some intriguing matchups in here. We got the Purdue alumni are in there. Uh, let's see who else. Uh, the Bonaventure uh, alumni are in this bracket as the 13 seed. Yep. Uh, but the, the Buffalo Buffalo having a better seed than the Bonaventure team. That's kind of a lot of good names on this would bracket. Not have, would not have guessed. Yeah. Oh yeah. The I will say that about the te- That's the, good. I will say that about the TBT. A lot of great team names in here. I think my favorite one so far is the nerd team. And you guessed yes. it. It's all of the Ivy League alumni. That's got to that's, 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 be the Ivy League. That's peak self-awareness right there. Yep, I really for enjoy sure. that. That will be probably the only all-white team in the TBT. But, you know, that's you know, that's just that's how it is. Oh, boy. Well, TBT preview done. Um, and so uh, next week, actually, on the show, I will have on uh, Nick Elam, University of Dayton graduate. If that name sounds familiar to you, it should. He began or founded or came up with the Elam ending that will be in place again this year for the TBT. We will explain everything about the Elam ending uh, next week. If you're familiar with it, still tune in. Nick's a great guy. And if you're not familiar with it, definitely tune in because you can learn something before Dayton takes on the BC Vahogny City All-Stars. Um, <laughs> I just I, Every time I see their name now, I'm going to laugh. Um, on July 24th, Saturday at, uh, at 3 p.m. Eastern in Columbus. And if you're going, uh, give us a shout. You know, If you want to do a little takeover of our, our Instagram page to get some content, uh, please do, because I'm not going to be making the trip to Columbus. Um, what about you, Drew? You're you going to try and... I have a flyer scoop? wedding that night, uh, so I will not be in attendance. Fine excuse, though. Damn, fine oh, excuse. Yeah. Um, all right, Drew, I, I think, you know, for a, a filler week, you know, we that put together a pretty damn good show. All right, so let's take the people out with final thoughts. We're coming up on the hour right now. Uh, what have you learned today, and, and what are your final thoughts to take the listeners out? Well, the, the, the BC, Vahogany story that's that's an all-timer that is that's incredible uh that took so many twists and turns i didn't know where it was going to go next uh (laughs) obviously we we talked about scheduling and some other things uh i had to remember that Dwayne cohill transferred if that goes to show how deeply buried i have put the last dayton's basketball season into into my memory chamber (laughs) Uh, if that gives any of you any idea of how last season made me feel uh, but other than that, you know, good to get back behind the microphone. First time I've been back on the podcast feed since March. Happy to be back. Happy to be back talking to you, of course. And, you know, just another day closer to uh, November 9th when I get to make I get to make my grand return to UD Arena. Yeah, yeah. I won't be there uh, for opening night because it's on a Tuesday. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting fired up. Yeah, last season, we took some huge steps here on the podcast. Um, I was hoping to have, have Kinner on. 
uh, Justin Kinner from ESPN Radio in Dayton before the season starts, and we will, um, because me and him can kind of give listeners the behind-the-scenes look of, of how this all came together. And and I do quite literally mean how it came together, um, because last year was a ton of fun, and the, the show took a lot of steps up while the team kind of took some steps backward, which kind of sucked because we wanted to capitalize on the momentum of the 2020 season, just like the program, the actual basketball program, um, you know, had, had kind of intended, but, um, you know, what we found out was like a patchwork of stuff that, that ended up working for us. Uh, we're going to bring back the live shows at Tim's. We're going to bring back the pregame shows on ESPN radio, 1410 in Dayton. Um, all that is going to be coming back to you this fall. And, um, of course it couldn't happen without our sponsors. Um, you know, George at use mobile car inspections. We got Lee's chicken Milano's, uh, Sean Finn and Dan Helm and their realty group, clear Ohio. Uh, all those guys, you know, will be coming back for us, you know, coming back around. And, um, you know, I, just, I wanted to thank all the people that have, that have supported the show and especially, um, you know, to Tim's and, uh, in ESPN radio for really giving us a platform because, you know, we were just a podcast drew. And then all of a sudden it was like, Hey, we're officially on the radio now. And I think I speak for both of us when it was like kind of shocking that we oh, yeah. took that leap. Right. For sure. It was, it was kind of, I had to pinch myself a little bit that first time I was standing up in the DJ booth at Tim's doing a, <laughs> a radio show that was going across a, a, an actual real life radio station in Dayton. So yeah. excited to do it again in front of a completely, completely full Tim's crowd. Yeah. Yeah. There was a couple of weird days in December last year when I was there by myself finishing off the show. But, um, you know, those are kind of the times that, I, that I'll remember um, when the show becomes more successful and more people are listening and we have more student engagement and rest assured, all those things are, are definitely going to happen. So uh, I'll leave you with that tonight. Next week, jam packed show. Like I said, Nick Elam will be joining me. Uh, at least Chip Mike from the TBT team reached out to a couple other guys, but we'll give you a full TBT preview. See what Ryan's been up to. Um, over the last, what, six months since we last talked to him in February, March, and then um, get you ready for the TBT game next Saturday, July 24th. So I'm, I'm pumped that we have some basketball to watch. There is Flyers basketball in July. We're back. Show's back. We'll be here every Thursday, I believe, next week, actually. We're going to be leasing to you on Friday since the game is on Saturday. Um, that's because I have work travel and it's the only time I could get the interview scheduled. So I'll be coming to you next Friday morning. Uh, for now, I'm going to take you out with some Jack Johnson. The song goes, um, the song is called rather, If I Had Eyes. Just a good summer song. It's, you know, it's light, it's splashy, and that's kind of how I want to keep it for the summer series. So for Drew, I'm Sully. You've been listening to Talking Out Loud where there's only two rules. You wear red, and what's the last one, Drew? Be loud, baby. That's it. See you next week. If I had eyes in the back of my head, I would have told you that you look good as I walked away.